0: This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow!
1: Way right. Oh, it takes a, a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me! Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill, one hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that.
0: I would like to welcome two-time winner on the PGA Tour champions, including the 2018 Senior PGA Championship, a major out there, Ken Tanagawa to the Sub-70 Podcast. Ken, thanks for taking the time today. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Jason, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: So we got four events or so, I believe, left on the, uh, the, the calendar this year, and I know we have a wraparound season that's going to continue. But I have to imagine you want to finish the season out strong. It's still a calendar year. Uh, been an interesting year with a stop, go, stop, go and trying to get that rhythm going on, on tour this year. But with those four events still coming up, what are you sort of working on? Where's your game at? And, you know, what are you trying to do to sort of get that momentum going into 2021?
1: Uh, yeah, it's a wrap around. It has been a fun year, Jason, with the big, you know, it was almost five months of, of stoppage. Um But, you know, with four events left, I mean, you take every event as seriously as any other one and and just focus on the, you know, in Raleigh is where we go. I leave actually Monday. Um, The game feels good and looking forward to the last four. Obviously, you know, then we'll have a little bit of a Christmas break. So, you know, you obviously want to play well in those last, in these last four. I mean, they're not playoff events, which they usually are since, like you said, it's a wraparound. So you just want to, you know, play well any any time especially towards the end of it to carry some momentum um and enjoy christmas a little bit a little bit more um but you know just working on everything about the game you know there's you know there's so many facets to it but uh, just always plugging away and, and trying to figure it all out and, and look forward to, to raleigh
0: is it hard to get a rhythm going this year uh, in tournament golf with the start-stop, start-stop, do you guys kind of like to get that schedule going where it's consistent and you get a flow? Is it, Has it been kind of a difficult thing to adjust to?
1: Well, it's well. first, the, the PGA Tour champions, we don't play much more than three in a row just because of, let's be honest, the demographic, right? I mean, you get to a certain point, nobody's going to want to play four, five, six events in a row. But with that said, uh, this year has, I mean, to... have the big layoff and the big break in between it's just momentum wise it's just kind of odd um but it's a new experience for everybody um but it's you'd rather play in a few or two or three and then you kind of know how the the schedule in the year is going to progress so um it's almost like starting over it's almost like two little seasons within the year which is a bit weird
0: I was going to talk to you about getting out on the Champions Tour, which you know is like the hardest major tour in the sure. world to get onto. It's tough, right? I mean, there's not many openings in Q School. <laughs> it's, a, I mean, it's a tough one. Right. How did you get to that decision that I'm going for this and to compete against the best in the world? You know, out there at the the 50 plus. Like, how did you come to that conclusion that I'm ready to give this a try? I'm going to put the effort in. I know it's tough, but I think I have the game. How did that come about? And how old were you in your 40s? Where you had to really start to focus to get ready to do this because it is so hard to get out there.
1: Well, I mean that's a great question. I mean I don't know if you're ever quite ready. You know, with with my background until, until you get out there. But you know I was you know I played professionally and I stopped playing and I was playing amateur golf and I, mean, I was an amateur when I went to the Q school. So um, when I had more time to play a lot of golf up at, you know, where I play up at Whisper Rock, you know, up there, there's so many incredible players, not just tour players, but amateur golfers as well. So having the opportunity to play with them kind of got my competitive juices flowing and, and you're obviously playing with tour players, having that opportunity, obviously being better than you, you learn and, and you try to elevate your game there just to, just to see for your own personal level. Hey, you know, so-and-so played like this and you know gosh my game is so far off or it wasn't too bad not too far off but uh, with the time I had some more time so I started playing some amateur events here in, in, in town in, in Arizona and you know I had some success I I won some uh, the mid-am a few times and our state amateur a few times And this was when I was probably 46-ish 47 but with that said the guys out there were they kind of mentioned it egging me on. You should try the champions tour school, you know, and and I'm, but being an amateur, I had a whole different life, Jason. So I'm like, well, okay. It's a bit of a, a pipe dream. And and let's be honest, a a bit of, wow. You know, I really never occurred to me to, to really try until I got closer to it. But when I looked at this, the entry and all that, I didn't know I could enter as an amateur because I honestly if I couldn't, I I wouldn't have entered for five spots to lose my amateur status. That would have been kind of silly. So that checked the box. Um, it was here at, in town at Scottsdale at, at the Champions Course at TPC. It checked another box. Oh, that's kind of nice and easy. And uh, and uh, they let amateurs play, like I said. So I'm like, okay, well, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a go and enter. Just why not, right? I was playing well, and I, I could do it, and I had the time. And I got through the first stage, Jason, I played pretty well. I might've finished, it was up at uh, Prim. Um, I might've shot around 12 under, finished, you know, top three, maybe third or fourth. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I got to the finals, obviously, and played and, uh, geez, you know, and and ended up getting my card, but it was just the culmination of, of playing okay, leading up to it, being able to win amateur events, because if I wasn't doing that, let's be honest, I mean, it's I mean, to to not win those events to gain your confidence. But if I knew if I couldn't win those events at, at that level, I mean, how in the world was I going to compete against, you know, the, the, the top golfers in that demographic ever to play? I mean, that would have been a, a bit of a stretch. So I just had some things to validate, which I did. So it gave me the reason to uh, to enter.
0: So when you're going through Q School and you're getting closer and it's, you know, it's like I said, five spots, but you're playing well and it's right there. Is the pressure right. ramping up or do you still feel like you have a free, like, you know, roll at the craps table in the sense that you still have your amateur status there? You didn't feel maybe the pressure the other guys do because you're sort of like, great, if this works out, you know, fine. And if it doesn't, that's okay too. Uh, you know, do you play aggressive in those positions? Because there is only five, I mean, do you, do you, do you, how did you sort of, Okay, we're close to this. Did your mindset change? Did the pressure get to you, or are you still just like, it's all good, no matter what happens here?
1: Well, great question. It was really fine. I was very relaxed going into it, just because of the reasons you stated. Because it wasn't my life. I, you know, it's not like I, I needed to do something if I didn't get my card. What was I going to do? I wasn't in that situation. So, you know, the first round, second round, third round, it, I didn't feel any pressure. I just played golf. Um, I remember shooting maybe one under the first day and then, you know, whatever, no big deal. I, you know, I was just playing, enjoying just being out there. Um, and then I shot a 63, 64 to get in there. And still, I wasn't really thinking much about it, but coming down the stretch, cause I think I was in the second to last group maybe like I kind of knew where it was. So, you know, the last five, the backside, you, you know, you do get a little bit more aware and you do get anxious. Uh, regardless that it didn 't matter if I got my card or not, but you know you 're still in in the heat of the moment and trying to compete, so you know you do it, all of a sudden the nerves do come up and you, and you just become anxious of the situation you try to handle it and um, but it was a different feeling for sure coming down the last few holes than you know the first second or even the third round i,
0: I know you mentioned this a little bit before, but the the level play at whisper rock um. It's actually pretty crazy, right? Is there, what, 30, turning, 30 to 35 turning professionals out there who are members, great play, two great golf courses, probably know the answer to this, but like, and you touched on a little bit earlier, but being able to play at that level, on that level of golf course against that level of competition, had to do wonders for your game, even as an amateur and to get ready for this. And how good are some of the matches out there that you've had with the with the boys out there Um, you know, between the pros and, like I said, even the amateurs, I can't imagine how sharp that would keep your game and how much the competition, oh, it's just got to be a blast to play with guys that can push you at that level.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, there's, you know, I was going to pinpoint certain things that really got, gave me the opportunity to to play on the PGA tour champions. I mean, Wisp Rock's right up there. I mean, without that club and having the opportunity to to play up there and, and, work on my game being around those players I, I don't believe I would have gotten uh, to, to, to where I have to this point point. Um, and, and obviously when you're around tour players and great amateurs and w- at the time when you feel like hey you know these golfers are, are better than I am and you're playing in that environment it's hard to not get better right I mean you're, you're watching what they do and, and um, it's it's just a tremendous, and it was it was, and it is a tremendous opportunity to play alongside, you know, just tour players, even great amateurs, because you can see all different facets, facets of the game, how they all play, and it's all a little bit different. But it's it's a way to learn and to be honest with where you are with your game to see, because if you can't do it or try to beat them in a, in a comfortable, you know, at-home environment, I mean, to, to take your game on the road, you um, outside the gates of Whisper Rock and try to compete against you know the Hall of Famers out there I mean it's it's like I said earlier it's a bit of a stretch so um but there, there's no way I don't believe I would have gotten to where I am without having the opportunity to be up there um and they're all so so you know all the tour players they're, they're the best in the world so and they're really really good let me tell you that but um and the games are fun I mean it just gets super competitive I think it's you know, the satisfaction of winning, or I don't know if it's more the getting PO'd that you lost, but um, you do have some good matches. I mean, it gets competitive. There's no doubt about it. It doesn't have to be for a lot of dollars exchanged. It's just the fact that you're, you know, for me trying to beat a, you know, at the time, a, a, a Jeff Ogilvie or a Ches Reeve or, a, you know, a, a Kevin Streelman, a Chappell, a, you know, Kevin Stadler, John Rahm. It just goes on and on, but right? because you're just the perennial underdog in your own little world even though it's just a fun casual game at home you still want to try to beat them and uh it it had you know um it's just unbelievable to have that chance and it like i said earlier it's it's one of the reasons why you know i got to to be on the pga tour champions
0: i have to ask with all these matches and the tour guys are there out there is there a match or two Uh, that like stands out that you're like here we were everyone's playing out of their mind it's crazy is there you know is there a story or two from those matches that is like legendary at this point
1: well i gotta tell you there's there's my first time i was playing with one of my good pals dave kelly um and i i don't want to mention any names on the tour player but let's just say he's australian and won the u.s open
0: Okay. Um, don't know who that might uh, be but we'll figure it out maybe
1: Well, yeah, you don't want to mention his names, Jeff Ogilvie, because you hate to do that because it's not a good thing to do. But anyways. um,
0: Ken, we don't (laughs) name names on this podcast. We'll just keep it quiet. Yeah, I love it. No problem at all. Okay, good.
1: Perfect. But uh, so, you know, I was just an amateur. He didn't know me from Adam. um, And we get to the first tee, and, you know, he's like, hey, I give my amateurs, you know, Dave, I give him six shots. And, you know, Ken, I'll give you six shots too. I was like, wow, three aside. So being the – having zero ego – I was like, yeah, I'll take it. No, no problem. So I remember I, uh, like, started birdie the first three holes and, and shot, like, 66 and, and, and got him pretty good. And uh, it was one of those where he's like, uh, never again, mate. And it was a, a great story. <laughs> but, we, you know, obviously he's moved on to Australia. But, you know, we became friends, and it was a, a lot of fun. And that's something I'll never, never forget because I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, I know he's an incredible world-class player, but, you know, six shots, that's a lot of shots. But, hey, you know, I'm not uh, not afraid, and like I said, ego so I shamefully took it.
0: Well, and his, for most of the time, right, it's going to work. You figure most touring pros are plus six, plus seven realistically, and a good amateur is a zero. So he's probably going just with right. the odds, but did not, re- you know, probably didn't realize you played the tour earlier in your career and you had a pretty decorated right. amateur career. So it's not like your normal zero at a, at a country club. You know, your handicap probably wasn't that far off from <laughs> his. But you took his money, he lives and he learns. Uh, McCord stories. Is there a favorite Gary McCord story from being out there?
1: A favorite Gary McCord story. Um, you know, I I can't say I really have a favorite McCord story, but I can tell you that he has a lot of stories. And he's an incredible guy to be around, and you sit at the eight top, and he could kind of take it over, and, and he entertains you all the time. When you play with him, he entertains you. And, uh, you know, what's funny about Gary is he always – you know, he's so – He's, he has high acumen on the on the game of golf and and the mechanics of it and and, and little trinkets here and there and, and he's you know try this try that what do you think of this and he's just a he's just a fun 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 guy to be around
0: another great guy uh, member out there I've had him on the podcast and like who doesn't love lumpy so have you got a chance to play with him very uh, often at uh, whisper Rack?
1: I have played with him a few times. Actually, we played, uh, you know, I see him out there on, on tour now, you know, and, and we played yeah. uh, a round together. Uh, we played around together, uh, at the Ozarks there, um, not too long ago. And I see him every week. He's just a fun guy, entertaining. Um, he's just a blast to be around. And he's, he's obviously a a perfect member at Whisper Rock cause he, he certainly fits the mold there and, and is uh, he's just fun. Lumpy's a, a great, great character. And, uh, He's a great player, obviously, and uh, he's just a fun guy to be around. He's just, you know, you never know what's going to happen or what's going to come out of his mouth at one, and it's all, it's all good fun. And uh, he's just, a, he's just a good, good dude.
0: I think it gets lost that he's kind of this character and like how good he was on the PGA tour for like twenty years plus, right? I think he's like people oh. don't realize how great of a player he was or how lo- that level he sustained for that period of time as he kind of comes across as this. You know, character from up north, but he's a hell of a player. I mean, a hell of a player. Oh, there's
1: no, oh, there's no doubt. I mean, he's obviously won on the tour, and, and he's got twenty plus million in career earnings. And you don't do that if you're not a uh, a hell of a player, like you said. If you're not a good golfer, that's you know, that's never going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a persona and a character, which is fantastic. But you know, outside of all that, I mean, he, he knows how to play the game. I mean, he's out there because of his golf, not his you know, not his character in in that sense. I don't mean it like in a negative way, but, you know, he's out there because he he knows how to hit shots and he makes putts and he scores. And, um, yeah, he's obviously, you know, he's got a life exemption out there through career money and, and, uh, he's earned and deserved every bit of that. Let's
0: talk about winning on the uh, champions tour, which is always fun to get into a little bit. And, uh, Pebble beach, the first one, you need a 35 footer at the, uh, At the last to win historic venue, like what? What is that moment like when you needed it, you got it, you win Pebble Beach pressure on and you come through. Is there any way to describe what that moment is like? Was it go fast? Is it going slow? You like how? We'll never be there. So how do you kind of bring us into that arena? (laughs) What that's what's that like to do it and to then pull it off successfully?
1: Well, it's uh, I think right when it went in, it was a moment of disbelief. But it was, uh, you know, I remember so vividly. I mean, the whole, to go back to the the 18th tee, I knew I was one back. So, you know, my caddy and I were talking, well, what's the best way to, to make birdie? I mean, because you could play the hole in, in, in myriads of ways. And, and it was a nice day. The wind was kind of down out of the right. So I said, well, the best chance to make a birdie is if I could hit a good drive because I know I could get on the green or somewhere close to the green. So, I, you know, I hit the drive, and my f- thought was, you know, I saw th- that tree out there and just go right at that tree because I knew if, with the wind, it it'll just turn right off of it, and I could maybe get by it. And and, and I hit a, a great drive, and it, and it got out there, and it was perfect. So now the hard part was done. I mean, I, I got it in play because it could have gone terribly wrong with, you know, with a lot of hazards on one side and OB on the other. Right. So, but I was, I was calm, but then i was, we were playing with the junior too, my junior and, and, um, which was helpful because it kind of took away a little bit of the distraction because I'm trying to help her out too. I mean, you know, the first tee with, with the kids, I mean, they're playing in that environment, playing in the last, you know, the last day in, in the last round and there's people out there. So I'm sure they're anxious too. So, um, You know, it gave me a distraction to talk to her as well coming down the last hole. But after the drive, I remember I was like 215 or 216 to the pin, and it was tucked over the bunker. Jason, I was like 205, 206 front, and I knew the forearm could get over the bunker, but it wasn't going to stop. It would have gone probably towards the back of the green, and I didn't want that putt or that chip coming back down that slope left to right downhill. Um, that would have been not an ideal situation. So I hit the five iron, tried to get it in, maybe in the front bunker or the, or the front left of the green, and, uh, you know, I pulled it off. I hit a great shot, and it got right right where I couldn't have placed it any better from the yardage that I had. And uh, I, mean, I remember when I was walking up there, you know, okay, I could two-putt this. But I remember that my junior from the first tee, she had a wedge shot, and I was able to go up there and help her out with the yardage in her play. So it kind of, which you should do. I mean, they're they're there and they're part of the the experience as well. So, and she hit a wedge on the green, and I think that kind of helped distract and calm the situation a little bit. Um, And then I had that eagle putt, and ideally, my, my thought was just to hit it solid. I wanted to hit a solid putt. Um, and and get it up there somewhere where I could just two-putt and and, and make a birdie. And, um, you know, I had the line. It was just a matter of speed. And and when it got up there two, three feet from the hole, you know, you know it's going to go in just because the way it's rolling and the way it's tracking. And, And fortunately it did
0: and then that night, I mean, that has to be one hell of an experience, right, to win at the highest level of the competition you're playing against. I mean, how satisfying, right? Like, go to the lodge, grab a drink afterwards, oh, and take it in. It's got to be amazing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have a glass of bubbly, right? It was uh, right. It, it was unbelievable. Yeah, my wife was there. My daughter was there. Um, you know, Eagle 18 at Pebble. I mean, just yeah. a historic venue. I mean, it was storybook. I couldn't, you know, of all the courses, right, to be able to do that there, it's um, – boy, it's really a dream come true. It's something that I can always have in, in my memory banks and, and uh, something I, I just really could see in my mind's eyes as clear as it happened like it happened yesterday. So, um, it, And afterwards, it's just so satisfying just to be able to win on the PGA Tour Champions, but to win it there it, it, the way I did, it, it's uh, boy, it was a pretty storybook for me. I was over the moon. Um, and it just it, beyond satisfying.
0: Let's talk about the big boy, the major, Oak Hill. Right, What a venue, hard golf. I heard that course that week was playing, like, regular uh, major championship on the PGA Tour. I was talking to Sean yeah, McKeel it- about it. He's like, oh, man, this thing is brutal this week. Like, it is a major, major test. Uh, it w- yeah. Do you feel the same way about it? Like, was this one of the hardest golf courses you guys played on the Champions Tour that week? Oh,
1: there's no doubt there's no doubt. And it'll set up the conditions were extremely difficult as well, which made it that much more, I mean, difficult, right? I mean, it was, the course is incredible. Another story venue, you know, all the players that have played there, the majors and the tournaments that, that, that's been held there. Um, you know, I think there's only three scores under par and, and, um, that's just a testament to the golf course. Uh, I mean, it was in incredible shape. The, the greens, the rough was really, really, I mean, the rough was nasty. Um, and, and that's why the scores were, were what they are, were. Um, but, but, again, it's, you know, uh, to, to be able to win it uh, at a venue like Pebble Beach and then to do it in, at, at an Oak Hill and, and then have it a major on top of it, uh, wow. It's, it's just one of those wow moments, you know, because you, you kind of dream of it. It would be really cool. You think, hey, it's going to happen. But, you know, when you actually do pull it off, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of pinched me. But, wow, it's pretty uh, – what a cool moment
0: different feeling on the back nine of a major than even a regular tour event? Is there a different vibe, a different feel, a different pressure, a different moment, per se? Using kind of air quotes, is, think, or does it feel like, like, okay, I'm a professional, I know what I'm doing, I, it's still nine holes of golf in front of me, let's do this.
1: Well, I think that's ideal, right, if you could think that way. I mean, if you could just be that, you know, hey, it's just nine holes, you know, you've done this a million times, let's go do it. But to be able to get yourself to calm your mind that way is, is never really an easy thing to do so um but it did from because of the venue and, and there's the crowds are big in new york and there's just a lot happening right there's a lot going on and it, it felt like a major um and it was uh it was hard to just stack off course was just difficult because i remember before i played before i teed off i saw jay haas on the putting green and he came you know i talked to him briefly because he won there i think he played the ryder cup there and he won the the, the senior pga there as well i believe but anyways he's like ken you know par going to be your friend today and and i always remember that because i kept telling myself that you know i mean i mean he would know world-class player and, and just a 10 of a guy but um and I always remember that because I missed some putts, you know, for birdies, and you're kind of like, oh, because you, you know, you want those chances. But I said, okay, I secured the bar, you know, bar is my friend, and I just kept plugging away, plugging away, and just kind of trying to stay uber patient and, and forging on. Um, and I think that might be the difference in that venue, or maybe a major as opposed to regular PGA Tour Champions event, because there you, in a regular event, you got to keep the gas down. and You just got to keep trying to make birdies and keep going because if you don't, everybody else is. But there, that wasn't the case, and, and par was, par was fine. Par was, I would say a birdie, but it, it it's almost like you're gonna, do well and get yourself in an incredible position if you could just keep securing those.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, it's playing like a true major. Right, where it's, yeah, you know, grind out. Out, grind out pars, grind out pars. And if you're doing that over nine holes, you're actually probably gaining on the field. Where a normal Champions Tour event is, you know, if you shoot even par, you're, the guys are so good out there that you're going to get ran uh, over. Yeah. so
1: Yeah, you're done. I mean, it's that's so true.
0: Yeah, I mean, totally different mindset for that week. Um, what an accomplishment, man, to be able to have that one on your trophy case, right? The, the, the oldest major, the big, I mean, that's a big tournament out there. Like, that's a big one. uh... How, uh how cool just to be able to look? Yep, that's mine. Just look at that trophy every now and then and go, "Yep, I earned that one." You How, know, what a great, you know, it's, what a great accomplishment.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, it's I'm you know it's humbling and I'm certainly very proud of it. I mean, I I you know I have a silver cleaner thing and I kind of clean the trophy every once in a while because it, you know it's one of those things. You, I'm sitting in my office and I see you know I see the flag that I have and and, and the trophy and and you know it's just. Yeah, it's just one of those moments that you know, if you had a tough round or a tough tournament, you kind of sit back and you, and you look at those things and you're like, "Wow, you know, you, you know, you you are a golfer." I mean, you obviously proven it and you you can play. So it's good to be able to kind of look at and see those things.
0: I know you played professionally, you know, after college and it didn't work out for you, right? You didn't right, you, it, it wasn't a full-time career for it. And when you look back at Correct. that, what changed in your game or maybe even mindset? Cause I know it's such a fine line in professional golf. It really is where the, right. you know, look how deep the fields are and how minuscule it is between the player who's 500th in the world and eighth in the world. It's a fine line. What right. did you learn from almost that not working out that has maybe made you a better player, a better golfer as you got in your forties and fifties? What do you kind of take away from that time period early in your career when it you know, it wasn't successful. You didn't do it for 15 years straight.
1: Right. I mean, great question. I I think, you know, looking back on it now, when I got in, here's the biggest difference, Jason, I I felt like between professional golf and amateur golf is amateur golf. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's important, whatever, but it does, it doesn't matter. It's not your job. There's no, you know, there's no monetary issues involved with it. It's just, you're going out there for fun because you enjoy the game of golf. You enjoy the camaraderie. You enjoy just playing. Yeah. It's competition. Yeah. I mean, not to say you you enjoy hitting a bash out or anything like that, but in the back of your mind, you know, when you leave the course, I mean, not that nobody cares, but a lot, nobody does care. I mean, it's just, I don't mean that in a negative way, but it, no, it I, just, right. An
0: amateur golfer, you're the only person who cares for the most part. Your wife really doesn't care that much. Your buddies don't even care but, that much. You're just you're no lost, either you, right. you have won twenty bucks or lost twenty bucks, and you can moan and bitch or you can be happy. But it's kind of on you for like I think from an amateur golf standpoint.
1: You're right. I mean, it, it's cool and all that. There's prestige, and I, I get all that. But at the end of the day, in, in your world or in in the world of you're, just, it's just fun. You and and when I was doing that. When I got back, when I was playing amateur golf, you just kind of you realize, boy, I do enjoy the game because you must, because you're out there, you know, you 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 play and 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 you enjoy the competition, and you really really are in a position where you truly separate yourself from golf, from serious competitive professional golf, to just really competitive fun golf, and 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 ideally, that is what I think got me to playing again and and playing it at a, at a better level now is because i think your whole mindset is is you're going into like it, it just doesn't matter and it creates a lot of freedom um and it's just easier to play and i think that's why i played some of my best golf when i was an amateur just because of that i think your talents whatever they may be could come out a lot easier when you just in the back of your mind you care but you just don't care if that makes sense because it's almost it, like it doesn't they're
0: trying too hard, like trying too hard as a young professional like almost right pushing you're, it too hard
1: there's no doubt you're trying too hard and you could go down this rabbit hole right you're you're kind of struggling so now you're consumed by it you're you're thinking about it and you, and you over practice or you you're not allowing yourself to be you right you're always kind of trying to do too much overthinking it you're getting consumed by it now you now you're you know, you, you, your self-worth gets tied into to being a golfer or how you're performing. And it's all really silly as you grow up and, and, you, and you step away from it. It really doesn't make sense. It's really silly because it's just a game. But when you're in it, playing professional golf and not trying to play at a certain level or not playing at a certain level, it just becomes very, very difficult. And um, and those are the things when you're in it, in, in that battle, it's, it's hard to see unless you really – step away from it which I did to the extreme like I like bailed on it and and really wasn't my life and then you really realize looking back you go, god that's really stupid you know it doesn't make sense i totally understand it i totally get it sure. but yeah it, it 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 just makes a hard game that much harder and i think the jason the, the great players are able to separate themselves from that not to say they don't get mad or anything like that but they're able to allow themselves to play at a level because they they have they allow themselves to be free enough mentally to know that hey it it matters but it doesn't matter and to be able to play under the hardest situations or the most pressure like the nine holes of a major to be able to do that uh, is is a challenge but i think the great players can do that and and playing amber golf and getting away from the seriousness of the game really brought me back to the game if that can make sense
0: yeah no totally right where it's like you almost got better your talent was obviously there you play professional golf and look what you're doing sure. on the champions tour but your sounds like you're almost like your mental approach improved with with age and and wisdom and time right where you did get to that place where you could let it kind of go and not be right. afraid of it, the consequences and, and if it, it's okay you know to not be perfect maybe something to that extent
1: that's spot on I mean as as every golfer even at at whatever amateur level even if you're a a zero or five or 15 or 25 I mean they they get anxious right I mean they're they're concerned about the miss or the make they're thinking about the water or if there's you know they're playing with their buddies or a better player he's watching and and all of a sudden your mind is is drifting away and you get very conscious and result oriented and, and too aware of of things of other than what you're trying to do And so all of a sudden you're getting in your own way and not allowing yourself to, to hit a shot. That's why, you know, they always hit great shots or make putts on the range or on the putting green. then it goes to the first scene, all of a sudden they're a completely different player. Um, And it's obviously all, you don't lose everything within that 10 or 20 minutes physically. It's, it's all done between the ears. It's just not brought over the same mindset. So um, it's just one of those things that, that, even now when I play, I, I when I struggle, I, it's easy for me to revert or kind of get, to be honest, to, to kind of become that tour player again, which I really try to avoid to do. Um, and it's easy to get caught up into it because everybody, that's what they've done for 40 years. It's not what I've done for 40 years. Right. And, and, you know, everybody's working hard on their game and they're, they're uber competitive and it's easy to kind of fall into that trap. Which I really have to make a conscious effort to say, hey, I know I'm a professional and I know I'm playing at the highest of levels, but let's not forget what got you there and how you play your best golf, and which is almost kind of blase and to be that amateur golfer playing on that PGA Tour Champions, if that makes sense to you. That, it that makes, That's, really that's the
0: mindset Yeah, you need to play your best. It makes right. complete sense There's to you. There's no
1: me. doubt. Right. And, and that's, and that's something that you kind of learn as you go, even at this stage, you kind of learn that, Oh, geez, you know, I'm getting too, too caught up in this or that, or, or, you know, equipment or I'm working too hard on this or that. And, and, you know, my thoughts getting away instead of just enjoying it and getting up there and, and, and swinging away. And uh, it, it's just really, it's just a little bit here and there, but it can make the world a difference. That's what works for me. It You know, that obviously doesn't work for, for you know, Bernhard Langer and VJ Singh and and Fred Couples, what what they know, Jason, is I think they all know what they need to do to play their best golf, and and they just awesome. beat it to death, and and um, and hats off to them because they're just uh, it's very admirable and and it's you know inspirational and and you know all those accolades that you could give them and and they're it's all deserving for them, but it's uh yeah it's just an interesting road, isn't it? How how it could be done in so many different ways.
0: Yes. How it, I I need your mindset to play golf. I'm type a personality, right? Like I need, like if I can get more, this doesn't matter. And who cares? Like I'm with you on that. I'm, but you know, but with my kickstart Bernhard Langer to play at his best is totally different. Yet we can all use these tools. If we kind of know where we need to be to play whatever level you're at, to play your best golf. I have to do what you're doing. I get exactly where you're coming from that. This is, This needs to be relaxed, free it up, let the club go, don't think about consequences. For me, that's what I need. That's when I play my best golf. I hear you, but it's so interesting how what might motivate the guys to play your best could be completely different. You know, some guys need to play, you know, the chip on their shoulders. Some guys need to be relaxed. Some guys need to put all the work in ahead of time so they are ready on Thursday and like every T is crossed and I is dotted. Like, I followed Longer around at a Champions Tour event major and like, uh, what is it? Exmoor and the work he was putting right. in, I mean, just right. all day. But I'm guessing just from, I don't know him, but watching him, he needs to, his caddies grinding on a Tuesday and they're out there all day long. It's like that man is going to leave no stone unturned. And when right. that bell hey. rings on Thursday morning for, cause it was a major is four rounds. He's ready to go. Right. And that's he's sort of the dead. sense I got from watching him.
1: Oh, he's, he's incredible. I mean, he's just he's one of the guys that, 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 I, that I certainly look up to. But, but here's the thing is, is, you know, you see that and you, the hardest part is, you know, you don't want to feel the pressure or, or what, what you should be or, or what a professional athlete needs to be doing, right? I mean, you, you, you could fall into that trap of, of, you know, I need to do this, this. I need to be out there for 10 hours working hard because, you know, everybody loves a hard worker and, you know, all that stuff which is great and ha- handy and dandy but i think all the great players know what they need to do and there's no recipe there's no a formula for it right everybody's formula is different and that's the that's the biggest challenge is to be able to find whatever ingredients or whatever that equation is for you as an individual playing an individual sport um and and you know it's different for everybody i mean bernhard does it his way and and DJ does it his way, and Colin Montgomery or Fred Couples does it his way. and But they all know their way, and, and they don't feel the pressures of, of changing that. Or if they struggle, I don't believe they all of a sudden try to do different things, or you know they just kind of stick with what has gotten them there, and they beat it to death. And that's why I think they're really consistent and really, really good for all these years that they've been doing it
0: the craziest shit I ever saw is when Carlos Franco was playing the regular tour. I saw, I was at the John Deere classic and I was, I saw him pull up in the player's parking lot and I'm like, okay, is this urban legend or does he actually not warm up? I saw that man walk from the parking lot, go to the 10th tee, the par five there stretch about three or four practice swings, pipe it 310 yards down the middle with a little tight draw. He literally didn't warm up. I'm like, no shit that he, you know, cause you don't know like, oh, come on. He warmed up and then he went in the clubhouse and then he does his, you know, nope. Right. Right. And then obviously but he I mean, played I... the tour for years. I'm like, how did, I've never seen a touring professional literally just stretch, beautiful, long, yeah. fluid swing, pounds at three ten That works for Carlos, right? Like he doesn't, he's good uh, to go. Exactly the answer right. is the bell and he's ready. I was like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen from a touring pro. He literally looked like an amateur leaving the car from the first he has home club. Just Yeah, I mean, that, first that's Carlos.
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a and, and he's a great guy too on top of it, right? But that, like that's the perfect example. I mean he just this is what he does and that's what works for him and and uh and and he sticks with it, right? He doesn't succumb to the pressures of oh I need to do this, this and this because that's what you're supposed to be doing or that's what, you know, Bernhard Langer's doing or that's what you know, Ben Hogan does, or, you know, any of those things, he just, this is what I do and this is how I play golf. And, and that, that's the beauty of, of being a professional golfer. I mean, your own, your own, you're your own boss. You don't have anybody telling you how to do it, how much you do it, what to do it. But I think the key is to be able to find out what that works for you as is a, as a professional golfer or any, or any, uh, or even all the amateurs out there with your game, you know? But I think a lot of it is your attitude of what you do off the golf course. So when you get to the golf course, you're bringing that all with you instead of all of a sudden trying to do something different once you get to the first tee or something, right? I think it's just a whole mindset when you're dealing with a game off the course, on the course. It's just very consistent. It could be a blasé attitude. It could be a really awkward. just a grinding attitude whatever it is but i i think it's consistent um even when you're not playing if that if that makes sense to you
0: well, i thought what carlos did as an amateur was the coolest thing ever because i know nine million times you're like got no time to warm up your <laughs> run to the first tee and then he's oh, just yeah. like he totally just pounds it like i'm like wow yeah. like that's just he- nutted like he's so long the swing was so full i'm like Oh, yeah, sure. it works for calls. But I have to admit, like as an amateur, I was like, "That's pretty cool." Straight from the parking it's, lot, couple stretches, couple practice swings. Peg it. Let's go shoot sixty-eight.
1: Well, that just shows awesome. you how free his mind. That's how it shows you how free his mind is, right? Because he knows he doesn't need to do that. He just doesn't care. He doesn't care that he, he should hit balls, or you know, he needs to warm up. Hey, my body feels like this. It's loose. I'm ready to go. You know, I've hit a million balls before. Well, I mean, why well, would I need to hit a million more, right? You know, there's not to much to go wrong freedom. with that
0: golf swing. Yeah, talk about oh, freedom. Oh. That golf swing has freedom, doesn't it? It's just, you know, oh, it's big long, shoulder it's, turn. It's
1: yeah, right. Narrow stance, yeah. and he gives it a hit, and, and he but and he's a fun guy on top of it. So,
0: yeah, I love it, watching him play. Uh, oh, yeah, back in the day, sure. t- back in the day too. What what tours did you start off playing when you were after college, and did you go around the world to play a little bit, or where did you kind of you know try to Decent. cut your teeth? Jason, I did
1: after I went, I tried my Q school here, obviously didn't get through. So I went over to Australia and uh, played over there. So the tournaments were in New Zealand and Australia. I played there for a few years and then I went over to Asia and then I went over to Japan and played their growing tour and then on their tour over there. Um, so I was mostly overseas in the meantime, a few times when I had schedule permitted, you know, I tried the Q school here and, and tried to get my card here and, you know, just got shot down and flamed out there. So, Um, But I was mostly all overseas, um, which was great, great experience and all that. But ultimately, you know, if you're growing up here in the States, this is where you want to play and I was never able to accomplish that. And uh, But which was fine. It's all good.
0: Well, I was going to ask you, too, from, uh, you know, being born in Japan and going back to play, how was playing professional golf in Japan? Like, what's the biggest difference between professional golf over there in that era and then playing over in the States? Like, there had to be a cool experience to kind of go back to the country you were born in and play professionally and kind of experience it and, and kind of go down that path for a while as a young pro golfer.
1: Oh, it was great. I mean, first I I love the country and, you know, this past year is the first year I haven't gone back and I can't tell you how long because of the COVID, but, uh, it was a neat experience. You just, it's just different. You know, it's the, the courses are, are, are very, very different. Um, uh, the, the tour was set up fine. Was, the tour was run really well, and, and the purses back then were really good. I mean, a lot of them were a million dollars back in the 90s, which is significantly uh, was large uh, at, at that time. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. The guys were fun. Uh, the, the golf, you know, obviously not as deep from top to bottom, but the top players were great players. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a some handful legends of U.S. guys there. Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, you have the Jumbo Zakis and the Sawaiokis and the Tommy Nakajimas of the world, and yeah. and guys from here that went over there. Carlos Franco, we are just talking about, played over there. Um, you know, Brant Joe, who was my teammate, was over there, and and uh, Todd Hamilton and, and Brian Watts and Davidy e. Shi was a long time perennial over there from the states, and um, but just a lot of fun. You know, it's just a, a fun play to, place to play, and the guys are. Are good and and, and and fun guys to be around. So, uh, and just to be able to be in Japan, uh, you know, which a, a country I love, and and to be able to play golf over there, you know, hard to beat.
0: Did you ever get to meet Jumbo?
1: Oh yeah, I did meet Jumbo. Played with Jumbo a few times. Uh, certainly interesting character. Uh, a legend over there in the guy He's won what, probably a hundred oh, times on one yeah. tour. I, yeah. I mean, it's just. It, you know, when I was there he was winning, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 times a year. I mean, it's just like wow. I mean, <laughs> and, and he was still pounding
0: a, it back then, right? Like at almost 50. Wasn't he just still stupid oh, long? Yeah.
1: Really, really long. Really long, but you know, what I remember not just that, but he was a phenomenal putter. I mean, he, you know, uh, and he had this it was a company called Wolfs, Woss, W O S S. And it was a like a blade style putter. I never forget it. It's kind of like a black and white. Uh, looking thing, and he just, and he made everything. I mean, uh, but that's obviously an incredible player from top to bottom, and, and hit it miles for back then, but what I remember is his short game and his putting was was magical. He made made just a ton of putts.
0: Did he have an aura about him? Kind of like...
1: Oh, yeah, I this? mean, you know, yeah. th- there's no doubt. I mean, he's legendary over there, and, you know, the where the culture is, you know, the, there's the the senpai, meaning that the the older generation or the people above you are really respected and revered from the younger generations, right? So it's like when he came on stage or came to the to the course, whatever. It's like you know the younger people will bow, and it's just like you know there he is, kind of a thing, right? Where where it's it's not quite that way in, in this country, but over there it's it's you know he's the older, the elder statesman. Everybody's going to respect him. Uh, tremendously, and w- which they did. And you know, he, he knew he was the best back then, and everybody said he was the best, and he played like he was the best.
0: Well, you don't get that many wins, and people like said if it was a global tour like it what is now, he would have had. Oh, yeah. He'd have been. A, he'd have been. You know, you're talking 20 wins plus on the PGA tour. His. You talk to the guys who played with him. He was that good. He just didn't. I don't think he liked traveling that much. But the no, talent just, was
1: world class. Uh, Oh, heavens yes. I mean, you know, you obviously played in the Masters over here. I think his only one win might have been in New Zealand, outside of Japan. So, But, you know, just to play on one tour and to win that many times is just yeah, incredible.
0: crazy good. Yeah. Well, i got some quick quick hitters here for you, and we'll, we'll get you out to the let's golf course. I'm guessing you're going to uh, we'll let you practice a little bit. But uh, uh, well, fire these probably. at you and let me know your answers.
1: Yeah, I can. not do it.
0: Most underrated player on the Champions Tour that people don't realize that player is that damn good. Rancho. most entertaining guys to hit balls next to on the champions tour on the range like if you just need to be in a good mood and laugh like who are you going to go up next to and hit some balls and just ask questions and you know fire that person up and like have a blast for a half hour just from an entertainment value
1: boy i i would say yes fun uh, rocco mediates fun those two guys
0: Best golf courses, architecturally wise, you've ever gotten to play. It doesn't have to be a tour course, but in all of your travels around the world and playing golf for a lifetime, what's your two or three favorite?
1: Well, I would say Royal Melbourne, uh, Pine Valley, uh, Pebble is my favorite. You know, Cypress Point, St Andrews. That's a lot, but those all kind pretty of stand out.
0: Pr- pretty good choices. Uh, who gave you the nickname on at Whisper Rock, the Assassin? <laughs>
1: You know, I don't know who actually gave it to me. Um it's one of the tour players maybe. Uh it just started coming around. I you know, that's a great question. I don't know it, because I was out there as an amateur and I had the the fortunate rounds where I was able to beat the the tour players when I played out there in the in just in games. So, um you know, I don't know the individual. I, that's a great question. But it just got out there, and that's what they kind of threw at me. So I'll take it. It's as a, a great
0: nickname. Like, I would take that. I've yeah. been called, you know, way yeah. worse at my club. So, I mean, there's, that's there's like no a doubt. badge of honor calling <laughs> you the assassin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like, I figured it had to be something like that, that you're taking down guys on tour and they're like, how the hell, you know, how the hell does this guy keep beating everybody? It had to be something like that. Like, don't play the assassin. You're going to lose your money. It's got to be, the the legend had to start with something like that, I'm guessing.
1: Right. And an old Amherst guy, what's he doing beating these guys, right? Totally get it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, and I also know you had a big moment in your career a couple of weeks ago where you got to play with the mini tour legend, Mike Dominic And I know this has been something you've been uh, wanting to do for years. um What? <laughs> First off, what's list. that I got moment? Off the list. Exactly. Right. So you get to meet them and you're hanging and you're playing with them. What's it like to see that level of greatness up close and was it like super intimidating or just slightly intimidating to have him in your group?
1: It was overwhelming. I mean, I just realized, boy, I need a lot of work on my game. Um yep. and, and and he was a good guy on top of it. You know, with this game, I thought he'd be way more arrogant, but he wasn't. Um, you know he So was, he he acknowledged he was, you and well, yeah, after actually, uh, six holes, seven holes, I mean, okay. it, it took a little bit. It might have been the backside. I don't know. Maybe after I was, I squeezed in a birdie, he finally, you know, acknowledged that. Until then, um, you know, I thought, boy, this guy's uh, – but it, it took a little while. But, you know, but like I said, I thought he'd be way more arrogant off the first tee because I know he's accomplished so much. But um, I was just shocked that he wasn't.
0: Yeah, because when I first played with him, I didn't get an acknowledgement at all for the entire round, so but I mean you oh, play really? at a different level than I do, yeah. So I mean you're way ahead of me on that one, but you know after like the third round, I played from him, I'm, you know asked like, do I have kids or am I married? So it like it took a while right. for me to to get him to warm up, but eventually he comes around. But I've I've had the experience as well, and it is you know there there is a Mount Rushmore of golfers, and he's on it, and it's I was honored just to be in his presence a little bit. You know I don't know what you they, feel they like, but for out. me it was magical.
1: No, oh, I mean magical. I've had. Yeah, I mean, I've had, a long time ago I played with Jack Nicholas, and you know, obviously Langer, Couples, you know, VJ, Monty, Mike Dominic—they all, he's right in there. So it, it was a thrill.
0: It absolutely goes without saying. Well, we will uh, end it on that one. On uh, like I said, we both have gotten to to live our dreams a little bit, which is nice. And uh, for sure, yeah, we can we can share that together. I really appreciate you coming on today. Um, best of luck going forward. Appreciate
1: it. You got it. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me.